everybody. Welcome to another podcast of All Things Considered Franchising. I'm your host, Scotty Milas, scottmilasfranchisecoach.com. We have a a guest today that's going to take us in a little bit of a different direction in regards to entrepreneurship, business ownership. Uh, You know, one of the things that I've, uh, one of the questions I get from a lot of my clients is, why would I do a franchise over an independent and why an independent over a franchise or buy an existing business that's an independent? And frankly, there's no right or wrong reason or what's better and what's not better or this is worse than, uh, you know, uh, than the other thing. There's really no, there's no rhyme or reason. It's really more of what your preference is and the work and energy that you want to put into the business. So I thought today in our podcast, we would talk to somebody. Uh, my guest today uh, is somebody that I know, uh, have known for a very long time, actually got connected when we were both in the recruiting industry. Uh, and, and we both kind of branched out and started our own companies. And here we are today. So I want to bring in uh, Brian Pasco, who is president and founder of uh, Pasco Workforce Solutions. Uh, Brian's uh, company is a, uh, uh, a company that's... Uh, dealing in the staffing industry, uh, attempt to hire, retainer, full-time positions. Uh, Brian has been in this industry probably what he thinks is probably a lifetime. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I'd I'd like to welcome Brian. Brian, welcome aboard. Scott, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's great to be speaking with you again. You know, I I mentioned to uh, a a minute ago that you and I were connected uh, many years ago. Um, You were on the... uh, the temp to hire side, I was on the uh, 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 full-time recruiting position, although we shared in uh, job orders, I guess we called them back then. But, uh, you know, we both we made that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, uh, we, we both made that decision, uh, you know, I think within the same time period that, you know, that vision of owning our own business was really the direction, although you were a partner uh, in the company that you were with when you and I met. So, um so maybe take a couple of minutes here, introduce yourself to our audience, and then we'll kind of kind of take a deeper dive into what drove you to be a, an entrepreneur, uh, independence, owning your own business, and maybe some of the things you can you know, educate our listeners on, on why business ownership is wonderful, the headaches that ensure, and, and things that you, that you did to be successful. Sounds great. Yeah, I love the opportunity. Yeah, about myself. Um, born and raised in Connecticut, uh, you know, right out of high school, I, I, I decided I wasn't mature enough to go to college right away and, and join the United States Navy. And that kind of gave me the, the maturity I needed to enter the workforce, you know. And as I got out of the Navy, I went to school locally here at Central Connecticut State University. So I've always kind of been a Connecticut guy, been able to travel here and there. But it kind of be normal when you get out of school, sales jump around. I had a, I was searching for job. Every two years, I chased a salary, went from one sales company to another sales company. And finally, I had the uh, wake-up call that most uh, people my age have. My wife at the time was pregnant. So, all right, Brian, you got to grow up a little bit and find a career, <laughs> you know? And, right. uh, and that's how I stepped into recruiting. I got into the industry 19 years ago. You know, my first year was with a big national recruiting firm that, you know, everyone's familiar with. I won't give their name, but they were a great training ground for me, you know. But as I was at a big national firm, I said to myself, I'm like, why are good people leaving here constantly? Like, what's going on? 
uh, where do I fit in this whole piece <clears throat> and puzzle? And I, and I said to myself, I said, do I want to be a minnow in the Atlantic Ocean, which I was at this big firm, or do I want to be a large bass in a small pond? And I said, that's kind of the, the, the approach I took. And I said, let me find a smaller firm that I could help develop, grow, and see where that takes me. And it led me to an opportunity with a company called Stewart Staffing Solutions, where, where I met you, you know, under the guidance of a gentleman named Dick Stewart. And from there, Dick allowed me the opportunity to eventually open up my own firm, which is now Pascal Workforce Solutions that I've been owning and operating for about nine years. That's, you know, that, that's an interesting story, Brian. It, it's um, it, obviously as you got into the recruiting, the staffing industry, it became, it, it, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong here, it obviously became a, a passion for you. I mean, you really enjoyed the business. You became successful as an individual uh, contributor within. When Walk us through that time when you woke up one morning and said, hey, I want to own my own business or, hey, Mr. Stewart, I want to be a partner in your business. I mean, when should somebody really kind of think about that approach if it's in the back of their mind, kind of that execution or how is that execution going forward, making that yeah, mind great. to be an entrepreneur? It's a great question. For me, I, I look back at this since, you know, preparing for your podcast, and it happened about six or seven years into the business. Um, you know, I had been promoted to a manager level, and I started to develop a team around me. I started to coach, train, um, you know, really look at the, the, the hard numbers, and I, and I started realizing how much revenue I personally was bringing in um, for the company, and then it, it expands to, okay, how much money is the company making off me? And, it, you know, then the light bulb goes off and says, well, wait a minute. If, if I'm making this much and the company's making this much, if I did this on my own, this could all be mine at some point. Right. Um, and, and I felt, you know, I was lucky. I had an owner who was very hands-on and let me kind of create and do things that I wanted to do in both of his offices. And through that, I said, you know, I, I was basically doing his job without reaping the benefits of, of his job. Okay. Um, so like I said, it was about six or seven years into the business. And I said, if I have the opportunity, A, to either buy this company or go out on my own, now is the time to do it, you know? And I started asking more questions about the P&L, you know, profit and loss statements. I started looking at certain costs. And in my business, a lot of it basically is around insurance costs, uh, you know, whether it's workers' comp or liability. And I said, you know, with the money I generate or my team generates, how profitable could, could I be on my own? How could I do this? You know, and what are going to be the pitfalls? And listen, there's been plenty of sleepless nights, as, as, you, as <laughs> right. you know. And um, there was times, you know, even when, I will never forget a conversation I had the, the Monday that COVID was announced. My old owner said to me, you know, I think you and, and now, you know, my, my minority partner should close the business, should basically take the money you have in the bank, split it up and close it and try to come back in a year or so, because I'm not sure you can get through this. This is something no one's ever seen. And that's a guy who I trusted and I believe right. everybody said for the last 15 years. And, I, and we had just come off our best year ever, the year before COVID. And I said, how am I gonna come off my best year ever and close? And I said to him flat out, I said, we're not doing it. I said, I'd rather go down with this ship, ship than yep. just give up, than just give up on the ship, you know? 
And, and the good news, Scott, we, we've been up 30% the last three years consecutively. You know? That's awesome. And, and it feels good when, you, when your, your mentor and, and the old owner of your company says to you nowadays, not listening to me was the best career decision you've ever made. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, you know, no, I I think there are a lot of us that had those uh, emergency contingency plans, you know, that fold up plan, you know, when this whole COVID thing came and I certainly did. And, you know, I, 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 you know, and and I'm glad I didn't because like you, you know, those two years turned out to be some of the best years in business. I think it opened a lot of doors and a lot of minds to people that business ownership, whether it's a franchise or an independent or I buy an existing business um, really opened the door to a lot of people and gave them time to think about it. But your Absolutely. strategy to do this, like you said, you know, y- you started to piece the numbers together. I guess that was your right. first step. Hey, right. if I was on this own. And obviously, um, the firm that you're with, the leadership, the ownership group at that point was very kind to you. So it wasn't that you wanted to get up and, you know, walk into the office and say bye and try to take everybody with you. Right, um, right. You know, that that was not the right approach. And I would encourage anybody that that's not the right approach, regardless right. of what you do. You want to make friends, not enemies. Absolutely. So talk to the audience about as you started to put this together in your mind, you've now had this conversation. How much planning or where was the planning of, it wasn't that you just woke up and, and, and Mr. Stewart said to you, hey, great idea, Brian, good luck. Right? No, no. <laughs> so I, I, no. It, it, encouraging our listeners, young entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, whether it's a franchise, like I said, or an independent, where should their structure be, Brian? How should they plan this out? Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if there, I don't know if there's a book on it, but what's the best way or at least the way you visualize it to structure this to open a business? One of the things that I did that, that helped me immensely was go to other leaders in my industry. I spent about a full year not only working with my current owner and sitting down with him, you know, after hours, finding out how he kind of built it up, but going to other leaders in the industry. You know, I, I've never, even nowadays, I don't pretend to know everything. You know, I act like I do at times, but the reality is I go to the best in the business and ask them how, what's made them successful. What would they do? What wouldn't they do? So whatever business people are looking to get into, there, there's always someone who's done it longer, who's done it better, right. who's done it more. And, and I encourage people, you know, someone like me, if, if a new staffing president uh, came to me and said, Brian, tell me how you got here. I'd sit down with him two or three times and explain to him. I wouldn't give him my client list, but I explained kind of things that have worked for me, haven't worked for me. And that's what I did. I went to some of the best owners in, in the we're lucky to have some of the best owners in my industry here in, in the you know New England market and in Connecticut where I reside. And I went to those owners and said, "Listen, you know, here's what I'm thinking about doing. What do you recommend? You know, what should I stay away from? You know, okay. what industries <clears throat> should I try to pivot to?" And I was shocked how open they were to to work with me, you know, and to talk to me because if you're good at what you do, you don't really think about competition. You know, I don't look at the competition outside of my, you know, four walls. You know, I look at the competition within my own team. I don't look at it outside because, you know, in this business, you know, enemies could ruin you. Friends can make you, you know. Right. So I've kept, I really went and I, and I spent about a full year researching, you know, some of the best companies in, in this business. 
and some of the best locally owned companies, most importantly, you know, I'm not trying to be a national brand. I'm looking to keep it, you know, kind of four or five offices regionally. Yep. And, and I went to those owners and said, how did, how did it work? And a lot of the stuff that they told me, I, I still go with today. Some things, you know, doesn't make sense in my industry, but a lot of it that they, you know, a lot of the wisdom I, that was given to me, I, I stick with, you know, nine years later. So what you know can't hurt you, but what you don't know can really hurt you. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the way kind of it, it, it's. So you did a lot of research. Correct. And now as you're putting your plan together, one of the things that I like to talk about my clients, and maybe you can, you know, share how you went through this, is there this, the financial piece to starting a business. Um, you know, you, you've had, you've got to be capitalized. You don't want to be undercapitalized. Um, so as you started to put the model together of what you wanted to do. And you had a pretty good clear of what you wanted to do because you've been in the industry. You've, you were successful at it. You knew how to get the business. Absolutely. You knew how to hire the team. So talk about the financial structure. Was it, I went to the bank and talked to my banker and said this, I looked at my personal funds. Um, you know, is it, do you want to be overcapitalized? Do you want to be undercapitalized? You know, talk to us about that piece because that that that's a big part of it. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I you know, for me, it, it's funny. I, I don't think you could ever be overcapitalized, but what, you know, one of the dangers of being overcapitalized is you tend to spend more. You know, right. when you have more money, and you know, and I always came from the my my dad's old saying was, you you need to spend money to make money. You know, and for for us, you know, we we went to a bank. And one of the things we actually did, we worked through like a consortium and, and we were privately funded. We didn't start with a bank right away. We, we were funded privately and um, it was basically a line of credit. You know, in my business, you know, we bill and, and normally companies don't pay us for about 90 days and we pay people weekly. So we right. quickly get deep in the hole. So we weren't really appealing. We weren't the most appealing company to a bank right away until they saw a couple of years of success. Um, now, obviously, as the Time's gone out. We've gone to a bank, but from a personal finance side, I, I would tell people, you know, don't be afraid to invest in yourself. You know, if you have the belief in, in the business model you you've planned, you know, if you don't have a good business model, that's then then you're you're already a step in the wrong direction. But if you have the business model and you have your own personal capital or or, or equity or something to build up personally, invest in yourself. I I didn't take any loans out. I still have not taken a loan out in nine years of this business. That's awesome. Um, and that's something I'm proud of. And, you know, we, we've been, now we're able to fund our own receivables. We own our own receivables. Nobody has any lien or anything and anything we have here. So we're, we're self-funded and, and we invested in ourselves. And listen, there was a couple of lean years, you know. Right. One thing I, I will warn any new owners or entrepreneurs is, don't pay yourself a huge salary right away. Um, right. You know, I, I think the first, I would say three to four years, there were people, uh, some of the people who worked under me were making more than me, I think at the end of the day, you know, because my, I was like, how can I live? What, what kind of money do I need to live on? And from there, where do I reinvest the profits? Do I give it to myself? Do I reinvest it into building a new office, right. furniture and We've always made the right move of where we invest our money, whether it's back into our own pockets or whether it's back into the company. We've been lucky enough, you know, where we've reinvested well. 
Right. So it, it takes a lot of self-discipline, I guess, is the way to say, to put this Absolutely. whole thing together. It, it's, it, it, it's that structure. It's the operating side. It's the financial side. It's, it's living by your standards and what you want to do uh, moving forward in your goals. I yeah. mean, it, 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 it's a lot of hard work. I mean, it's not easy. I, I also, one thing I, I said we did right away that was smart is we put a team around us, um, you know, not internally, but externally, whether it's a financial guy uh, or whether it's accounting firm, we did a lot of research of who we were going to do business with and who we were going to partner with so it could strengthen our brand. So we, you know, we had a great guy who, who does all of our 401k and, and planning of that. We, we got, we've been with the same accounting firm for the last nine years who knows our books in and out, understands our industry. So we kind of put together a team that knew our business and can help us financially kind of get to the levels we wanted to go. Kind of a silent partner. Absolutely. Yep. That, that, that you don't have to pay like a partner. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. You know, Brian, I've always looked at as entrepreneurship, people who want to own their own business, being an entrepreneur. There are two types. There's the visionary, which is the category that I put you in that has the talent and the expertise and the drive to put all the pieces together, because there are a lot of moving parts in business. Now, in my business, I mean, I, I outsource a lot of uh, the people that do work for me. You have employees. So regardless, there are a lot of moving parts. So yeah. you're that visionary. You know how to put that those pieces together and manage it. Then there's the entrepreneur who really is the person kind of behind the business that can generate the business, but really isn't good at putting all the other pieces together. Hence a franchise sure. that helps you do all that. Sure. So if someone was considering and listening to this, hey, I want to start my own business, is it safe to say that somebody who is a visionary like yourself, and that's how I define you as, as a business person, really either needs to be able to understand how all the moving parts work or be able and accept to hire the people to do those parts that they don't like to do or are not good at? I would say yes. Uh, you know, for, for me, it was very simple. It's like I, I knew where my talents lied and I knew where my talents didn't lie. And the first thing I did when, when I took over this business is hired someone smarter than me, you know, right. um, you know, and, and I hired a gentleman, his name is Brody Cunningham, and he started off kind of managing my office. And through the years, I've made him a minority partner for me. <clears throat> and Brody's strength lied in the operational piece that sometimes a lot of folks like me who are sales driven and team building driven, we don't always focus on the operational piece. And that, and, you know, we know the bottom line, we know the numbers, but how, what does it take to get there? And, and for me, that wasn't my strength. And I knew that immediately. And I, and I, when I brought Brody on, I, I tasked him with like learning, you know, getting more comfortable, say with QuickBooks or uh, the software, right? Yeah. You know, reaching out to all of our vendors, whether it's a copier guy or the paper, whoever it was, and, and kind of seeing if we could renegotiate things <clears throat> and say, you know, this isn't the old school, hey, we've been doing this with Dick Stewart for years. Now this is Pasco Workforce. Let's renegotiate. Right. Let's bring things to the table because we weren't sitting on the mountain of money that, that my old owner was sitting on when I took over the company. You know, so the best thing I would say for a visionary is to 
surround yourself with at least one, if not two people who you trust unconditionally to say, hey, listen, you're in charge of this part of the business, whether it's the, the, the accounting and finance piece, whether it's the operational piece, and let them do it. You know, obviously, Brody and I, my partner, we talk daily, but there's about once a quarter where we really dig into the numbers and see, okay, what's working, what's not working, where can we pivot to, where do we need to get out of? But I, I would just say, you know, find people you trust, you know, and hire people you trust. And um, if you trust them, let them do what they're best at. Right. Right. You know, I, I, I equate what you're saying to what we call being store blind or business blind. You come into your business every day and you start to see the same thing, but you don't realize, you know, that the light bulb's out or, right. you know, right. uh, Bob or Mary is coming in at 920 instead of nine. I, you, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? That or, you know, the uh, the cleaning service didn't, uh, you know, isn't doing what they should be doing, whatever Absolutely. it may be. But Absolutely. and that those things add up. So, I mean, it's it's it, it's and I and I remember having a conversation a few weeks ago before the end of the year. Somebody asked me who is in the line of work I am, you know, why don't you do all that stuff yourself? Why do you outsource it? And I said, because. I, I, first of all, I'm not as good as the person I have doing it. Correct. And number two, I wouldn't know if I'm doing it wrong or not. I mean, I don't have, you know, the checks and balances kind of thing. So it's interesting that you bring that up. So I call it being business blind. So and business uh, blind. And it's funny you said you wouldn't know if you're doing it wrong or not. And when you're in a leadership uh, role, no one's going to tell you if you're doing it wrong or not. Right. They're afraid to, right. you know, so you don't get the honest right. answer, you know, and that's a great point you made. So let's talk about your industry for a second. I mean, uh, you know, look, uh, you flip the TV on, you flip the news on the radio. We're all hearing things about um, certain economic conditions may or may not happen. Um, The staffing industry has always been a big industry. Um, It's a need. It's not a want. So let's talk about your industry, what PASCO, uh, you know, strengths are. Uh, you know, uh, give you an opportunity to kind of, you know, give our listeners if they were, if they're in the local area to be able to call you. What, what is it about the staffing industry and what are you seeing as far as labor over the next six, 12, 18 months? I mean, yeah. it's anyone's guess, I guess, but. It is anyone's guess. And I've had a lot of talks recently, excuse me for a second, with companies that I work with. I think one of my roles now has turned into kind of educating my clients or prospective clients are where I think the market is now, where it's going. And my personal belief is, I think what they tell you on the news and what you read in the paper is not really close to what the reality is from a labor standpoint. Um, granted, there are a ton of jobs available and everyone says, well, there's not enough people. Well, there are enough people. You know, we haven't sold off a, a, you know, a couple of countries locally. I mean, there are enough people. The reality is they're, they're you just mentioned two words, want and need. You know, there's a group of people who need to work, who actually really don't really want to work nowadays. You know, right, they, they, they have to, yep. But they have to, you know? So we're trying to find the people who have to work and because they seem to be the ones who will get us out. My, my agency, we do, you know, we're a little bit involved in everything right now from a hiring standpoint. We do the temporary labor which could be a project base, whether it's a, a one-week assignment or a five-week assignment. We do temp to hire, which gives companies the ability to kind of try before you buy approach. Let's see how this person works out. How do they fit into it? To our company, if they're great, then we let the companies take them on board. 
and we do the direct hire where we move someone from company A to company B for a better opportunity. I would say now, early in, in 2023, the direct hire business ha has exploded. You know, companies are fighting for the best talent and the smart companies are willing to invest, you know, in staffing firms like mine. And, and kind of what separates my firm from a lot of others is owner operated. As the owner, I've done this business from, you know, day one recruiter to now owning, and I'm still kind of at the forefront. You know, I still am involved with sales negotiations. I do recruit on a high level for jobs. So when you, when you work with Pasco, you're actually working with Pasco, Brian Pasco. And, um, and, and I'm comfortable in saying that my team, you know, they all buy into this. Like, yeah, you know, we're owner operated. We have the ability to make, you know, make things flexible. It's just not the cookie cutter staffing that people right. are used to. Pasco workforce will work with you to be flexible to your budget, your needs, and we'll do our best. You know, the, the beauty of my job, everything is free to a client until they hire the right person. Right. Yep. Yep. I, I know. Yep. Uh, people and, don't and realize. Scott, yep. You know that very well. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know? and, and so we do a lot of background work that people either don't understand or sometimes might right. not appreciate, but we don't get paid for it unless you get a retainer. All the work we do, all the digging and, and searching for people we do is free until that company hires the perfect person. Right. And then they got to stay there for three months in order to get paid on it, you know? Right, right. You know, Brian, one of the things as we're winding down here, one of the things that I've learned over my years is that entrepreneurs, um, you know, are, are, are planners. Um, they're always thinking about the next thing. Um, you have offices now in Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Maine. Uh, right. You've taken something... Uh, and expanded it, made it very successful. Is there anything next for Brian Pasco? I mean, is there, I mean, do you see yourself connecting to other businesses that are related to the industry? Um, or is it, you know, hey, I'm really glad where we are right now and I'm just going to keep making it work with my partners? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the reality of that question is, yeah, we're always looking for the next best thing. Um, and I'm always looking to not only expand what I do, expand what this company does. Um, you know, me personally, I've looked into kind of becoming more of a consultant uh, to companies in a lot of ways, going out there and, and you know, impending, you know, giving my wisdom in this, in this industry and not always saying, hey, listen, let's fill this position. Maybe I can go to a company and help them structure their entire HR department. So for me, Growth is always on my mind. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm looking to expand the company, opening up in a couple of new markets in the New England region. Uh, and I'm also looking to possibly, you know, start a consulting firm, you know, uh, with, with other owners and in other industries. You know, I, I personally invested this past year into, you know, an executive consultant and a culture okay. coach. And um, it was one of the best moves I ever made, you know, because she came into my industry broke it down in a way I've never broken it down before, you know, and, you know, as Scott, as a business owner and as a leader, you always don't know how the people below you or you work to feel about you, you know, right. they'll never tell you, <laughs> you know, and, and how they feel about the company. So for me, I learned more about myself and my company in 2022, and it's gotten me to this kind of visionary state again, where, where I was 10 years ago, to how can I expand this? How can I brand past the workforce more? You know, what other benefits can we offer companies outside of recruiting? Could we be right. consultants? Can we do things? So, yeah, for me, you know, nine years into it, 
I'm still in what can I do to make this better mode for me personally and for the company. Well, I think that's great that, you know, to close out here that you have a passion uh, to not only be successful in your own business, but to help others be successful in what they do. Um, it's, you know, there are a lot of people out there that have the mentality is crush the other people. You, yeah. you don't have that. I mean, it, I, don't. You, you, I think you realize that your success is related to all the information that people helped you with when of you course. wanted to start. So kind of give that back, which I think is, 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 is a key attribute and people appreciate, uh, you know, uh, and then, and who want to do business with. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, uh, that's great. Brian, what is the best way for people to get a hold of you? I mean, if they had any questions about the industry or your services, uh, any, yeah. what's the best way for them to get a best hold way? of you? Best way? Well, we, we were lucky. We just have, we have a new website at www.pascoworkforce.com. I would tell people to visit our website a little bit more about me and my team. Also, you connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty often poster like yourself, Scott. And it's Brian Pasco at LinkedIn. It's P-A-S-C-O-E. Um, a lot of people leave the E out, but it, there is an E at the end. And like I said, we, we have a couple numbers, both locally and uh, mass in Connecticut. And if anyone has any questions or are looking for any people, you know, we appreciate the business as always. All right, great. Well, Brian, I thank you for spending the last 15, 20 minutes. I, I uh, great information, and it's great to see that you you're you're successful and uh, continuing to be successful. Uh, so uh, uh, again, this is uh, Scott Milas, Scotty Milas, uh, ScottMilasFranchiseCoach.com. Uh, all things considered, franchising. Our guest today has been Brian Pasco, president and founder of uh, Pasco Workforce Solutions. And uh, until next time, appreciate three, it, Scott. Three, two, one. Thank you.